every time my husband and I go to Costco, we look around and see if they have one of those survival buckets. Have you seen those? It's like two weeks of food in case the mountain blows or the earthquake happens or so forth. And um, we started collecting them when an article came out about the earthquake that is supposed to destroy everything someday here. And every once in a while, I will look at our collection of survival food and think about how we have enough for four people, there's four of us in our family, to live for four weeks. But we don't have enough for our neighbors if they didn't go to Costco and buy the survival bucket. With the smoke outside and all, all of the disasters that are happening, all of us have at least once thought, am I going to have enough food or gas or shelter if something bad happens? And this is a question that I feel we're fundamentally struggling to answer on a number of levels in our culture right now. Who do we have to provide for? Who belongs to us? Because if we know who belongs to us, then we'll know how much we need of whatever that resource is, food, love, attention, right? And then we can fight for that resource and preserve it for us, whoever us turns out to be. This is also a fundamental question that our scriptures this morning are asking and trying to answer. Is there enough God? Is there enough of God's kingdom and God's love and God's provision for everyone to get what they need? And if not, because I don't know about you, but my experience of life in this world is that no resource is infinite. If there is not enough of God's love and favor, then who gets it? Who is it for? Who belongs to God's kingdom? And what, what if the answer is yes, that there is enough? How do we act like that's true when everything that has taught us to be human has taught us that there will never be enough? Paul, in our Romans reading this morning, is answering, yes, there is enough God for everyone. He's reminding his readers that just because God loves and cares for Gentiles, this was a big argument they were having at the time, that doesn't mean that God has forgotten God's love for the Jews. How human is this assumption that if God's favor is on one group, it must have left another group? We assume that we are in competition with each other. And Paul is reminding the church in Rome, we are not. God, unlike human beings, has the capacity to deeply love more than one group of people. Yes, Paul is saying, there's enough prosperity and mercy and love for God to love Gentiles without God's irrevocable choosing of Israel to go away. And then Jesus answers the question, yes, again, in our gospel lesson. First, by blowing up the rules around belonging to God associated with Jewish rites and rituals around purity. 
He says that it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles, but what comes out. Now, you guys, this is a very offensive thing to say to a group of Jewish people, a people who have long and rightly considered themselves the chosen people of God, and who maintain that status by behaving according to particular purity laws. Behaving like a Jewish person is how you belonged to the Jewish religion and how others knew that you belonged. So it is shocking for the disciples. Did you notice they cannot wrap their heads around what he's saying? They ask him to explain it two times. To hear Jesus imply that right relationship with God was not only about following the laws. And then, as if to demonstrate exactly that, Jesus heads off into the land of the Gentiles. Tyre and Sidon are not Jewish districts. And while Jesus is there, this Canaanite woman shows up with a problem. And so, while I imagine that you and I are not deeply shocked around being told that we, what we eat cannot make us unpure in the eyes of God, although my mother might be upset about the part about not washing your hands, right? So just for the record, Please wash your hands before you eat. I'm willing to bet that most of us are pretty uncomfortable with the second part of our gospel lesson. The part where a desperate mother throws herself in front of Jesus. And he appears to tell her she does not belong. That God's love and mercy is not for her. I mean, wasn't Jesus the one who was just saying we should watch what comes out of our mouths? The irony here is that in this second vignette, the one where we as modern readers and listeners are likely to focus on Jesus' offensive behavior, and it's offensive behavior. In the world inside the story, the person who is acting offensively is not Jesus. It's the woman. She is breaking all the rules by approaching a group of men by herself initiating conversation with them, shouting and behaving in an intrusive manner, and then refusing to leave them alone. This was simply not how women behaved. And we can see how startling it is because, once again, the disciples cannot deal. They're so taken aback that they level it up to Jesus and ask him to please make her go away. He won't. Instead, Jesus sets the table for a feast of faith. And the guest of honor at that feast is a woman who by all the markers of the world the disciples and Jesus are living in does not belong there. We should know, by the way, that she is going to be really important. We should know it from the moment she shows up because the text gives her the label Canaanite. The writer of the Gospel of Matthew knew that there was not a people group in Jesus' time called Canaanite. This is a label from the Hebrew Scriptures, from our Old Testament. The Canaanites are the ancient foes of Israel who competed with them for the Promised Land and constantly tempted them to worship idols instead of God. And this desperate mother isn't just any Canaanite. She is a woman behaving scandalously and demonstrating a deeper knowledge of the identity and power of God than any of the decent and upright Jewish men who surround her. 
This places her firmly in the tradition of other Canaanite women. Women like Rahab, the prostitute in Jericho who saved the Israelite scouts and was in turn saved. Women like Tamar, who engaged in some very audacious behavior that is difficult to discuss in mixed company in order to call her Jewish father-in-law to task and demand her due. And women like Ruth, who is not from Canaan but Moab, right next door, who chose the love of her friend Naomi over loyalty to her native people. All of these Gentile women share one thing in common. They are all included in the genealogy of Jesus in the beginning of this gospel of Matthew. They are foreign women whose scandalous and boundary-crossing behavior demonstrated great faith and knowledge of God's mercy and God's love. So as offensive as Jesus appears to us here, we know he is familiar with strong-willed and scandalous women. They are part of his ancestry. And oh, by the way, he was also raised by one of them, a teenager who had the audacity to get pregnant before she was officially married and then refused to feel bad about it. Mary is no slouch when it comes to throwing off custom in order to say yes to God's grace and bounty. So whatever Jesus is up to, what he does here is set the table for great faith. He responds in the way that his disciples and his culture would expect him to respond to this woman. And by doing so, he makes room for her to become an icon of God's kingdom, an example of the deep and sometimes disturbing abundance that sits at God's table. What this desperate mother does for the disciples and for us is name a truth that is both so radical and so obvious that most of us miss it in our daily lives. Here it is. God's table is so abundant. God's love is so deep. And God's kingdom is so inclusive that there is no one who cannot be provided for. There is no one who does not belong. Jesus tells the woman that she cannot sit at the table, a reasonable response for him to make within the confines of his context. And the woman responds by telling Jesus who God is. She reminds him that the feast of love and care and provision in God's kingdom is so great that entire nations can be provided for just from the scraps. She paints this picture of an abundance that is almost as scandalous as the way she has behaved, an abundance that spills over the table and feeds all living things underneath. The Canaanite woman knows something about God that the men around her don't. She knows that God's love is big enough for everyone, and there is no person anywhere that does not belong at God's table. And she doesn't just know it, she lives it. She is the answer to that question of how do we act as if this is true? We act scandalously. <laughs> we behave shamelessly. Her incredible faith is manifest in how she acts from this knowledge. The woman behaves as if she is a beloved child of God deserving of the feast of love that is God's kingdom. Jesus delights in her and heals her child. 
I have a lot to learn from her. Maybe you do too. Our world is frightening. It would be easy for us to withdraw to our groups, to put up our defenses and stockpile what we need for our families, for our people, for whoever we think belongs to us. And those are the attitudes that got us here. Racism, patriarchy, all of those things, at its core, it's a belief that there's not enough in this world for everyone. And so we have to fight for just our own, our own race, our own gender, our own people. This is the sin of not enough, a sin that drives so much hate and competition and despair in our world. The Canaanite woman shows us this morning that in the kingdom we are called to live in. This is not the truth. She shows us that our identity as God's children means we can afford to expand our definition of who belongs to us. So this morning, we are going to feast at God's table, everyone who wants to. We come here with all our despair and our baggage from the broken world we live in. We come with deep assumptions about who we are and who belongs to us and with us. And we are invited to see in this table the feast of love that the Canaanite woman saw in Jesus. We are welcomed to eat our fill here. And then to go out into a world where we become the scandalous bearers of God's unconditional, abundant, and never-ending love.